I mean, in a culture that that starts asking us, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Even in the language of that, it's like, what do you want to be? I'm being a doctor. I'm being a salesperson. I'm being a CEO. It's like, I am XYZ, which is really different than, hey, what are you doing right now? Well, I'm digging a hole in the garden. Oh, you must be a hole digger. I mean, if you put it that way, it sounds kind of ridiculous. That was Ken Moseman, executive coach and founder of Cirrus Leadership Coaching, sharing how he often sees professionals confusing their business successes with their identities. Ken helps clients take a different view of their reputation, their identity, and their legacy. He helps his clients work through the stresses and the weight that many of his clients feel on trying to be all for everybody. In this episode, Ken and I talk about the game and journey of trying to accomplish a major career milestone and how to identify the voices that cause doubt, stress, and setbacks. All right, so Ken, are you ready to be brilliant for the next 40 minutes or so? I'm ready to be something, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. I like where we're starting. Let's set the bar low and see if we can. (laughs) You know, one of the themes, and I know you and I have talked, and one of the themes I've been really seeing this year, it reminds me a little bit a little bit of the COVID year 2020 is I just feeling and sensing a lot of stress and anxiety in it with our clients. And I think in the marketplace in general, where I know what's affecting our clients, which a lot of times is that their clients are pulling back on budgets. Their clients are having to cut projects. Their clients are becoming maybe even sometimes overly discerning and starting to micromanage budgets, relationships, and spend. So there's like pressure, I feel like it's building all around. I like the language you use there, o- overly discerning, and then transitioned into micromanaging, because the, the way I read it is, <laughs> perhaps I would label it panicky and reactive. But carry on, please. <laughs> I love the word reactive. I know in our coaching right now, right, we're trying to help very driven people right? Here's the key. And I know you're going to laugh, right? We're trying to help really driven people let go of the outcomes that they truly can't control. And that is difficult. We're trying to help them move themselves into what they can control, which is obviously themselves and their processes and the activities or actions that they take within those processes. So I think we just dive right into that. Let's go. Let's go, man. Are you seeing the same thing? What, tell me a little bit about what you're seeing. I know you work with a lot of leaders across the country and all that. What are you seeing right now? I'm seeing a broad range and I'm seeing different things from different people, depending on what their roles are, depending on their industries, et cetera. And that's not, and I hope that's not coming off as evasive. What I'm seeing in the bigger picture, though, you know, in the bigger picture of the culture is a, you know, you mentioned the COVID year. <laughs> it's like the COVID epoch, the, the COVID age, whatever it's become now. But, you know, with 
the the war in Ukraine, the ongoing supply chain stuff, we're not just here in the U.S., but inflation happening worldwide, budget cuts happening, what's going on in the tech industry right now, the price of eggs, you know, to name just a few things. There is this, there's a sense of, I don't want to call it general malaise, but there is a, there's heightened emotion out there. You know, there's heightened emotion out there everywhere. And I want to point us somewhere and feel free to take me in a different direction or, you know, reframe, whatever. But I think when it comes to showing up as reactive, it's really important to notice a lot of the work that I do is looking at different parts of oneself. And I think it's really useful to notice what part of me is is in that heightened emotional state. What part of me is reading the news and and freaking out. That's a technical term. And what part of me is, is so focused on that, you know, spending my time doom scrolling, you know, because that's, because I get, I get seduced into that and become distracted and then reach for in some way, I'm struggling to reach for control. And oftentimes, I think what we're seeing out there, oftentimes in the reaching for control, it's, it's not unlike someone standing out in a rainstorm with their fist in the air, willing it to stop as if that's going to have some sort of outcome. You know, they're attached to the outcome. I want it to stop raining. Well, that, that doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work. So it's all a long-winded way of saying, who's driving your bus, your internal bus at any given moment? And is it a part of you that's really clear-headed and resourceful? Or is it a part of you that's just triggered off the charts. So like who could be driving the bus? If we were to say, here's three or four <laughs> bus drivers. All right. Can you share with me like who those three or four different bus drivers might yeah, be? Yeah, 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 for sure. So one of the bus drivers could be a frightened inner child, not necessarily a good person to have behind the, the wheel. Another could be a really driven adolescent who's got something to prove you know, whether it's proving to a teacher or proving to mom and dad or proving that, well, you're not the boss of me, <laughs> you know, that, that could be another one. It could be ego unleashed. Just like, no, you know, my entire, it could be, you know, an, an ego unleashed and any of these aspects, by the way, it could be, it could be part of, you know, no, if I don't make these numbers, it's as if my very identity is stripped away. So it could be the one whose, whose identity is built on, here's the numbers that I do every quarter. Here's where I fall in terms of the, the sales team. No, if I'm not on top, if I'm not that A student, as a, for instance, it, so it could be the good student as another, you know, if I'm not showing up as not only the good student, if I'm not showing up as the valedictorian, then I am nothing. Let's, let's do this. So yes to all three. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've I've had all three, so yes to all of them. I got all three bus drivers going, so it's got it's got to be a madhouse right now, right? <laughs> I imagine it would be a madhouse right now if you have all yeah. three, yeah, wrestling for the wheel. Yeah, yeah. So, but I like the word that you said, and I do think it resonates with our our listeners. Is this thing about identity, right, and performance? 
and expectations and standards, right? And so if I, if I think back on this crazy thing we as human beings do, right, which is called attachment, right? We get attached to just about everything out there. One of the things that we do strongly get attached to are things that we decide or we think represent our identity. And so when you work with folks on trying to help them balance or get better clarity or create a a more real identity, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Let's start with this premise that human beings are, we're complex creatures. You know, we're complex creatures. We're multidimensional creatures. There's more to us than, uh, than just the title. You're only as good as your last quarter, you know? How many times have we heard that? Real quick, I don't want you to lose your thoughts. I'm so sorry. Do you think that that over time becomes subconscious? So if someone's been in sales for a long time and they, from day one, right, you're only as good as your last month, you're only as good as your last quarter, over a period of 5, 10, or 15 years, is there an impact regarding that? Is there an influence that starts to occur subconsciously? I don't know. As someone who is not a psychologist, I can't, I, I don't know that I'm qualified to speak on that. Anecdotally, it's hard to say. I think, again, as uh, having said, humans are complex creatures. I think that varies from person to person to person, because let's say there's someone for whom sales is, it's a gamified career. You know, I'll put it that way. It's a, it's a, it's a gamified career and they just live for the game and it's fun. And yeah, so even on paper and even, you know, they understand the notion that, yeah, you're only as good as your last quarter. But I think like any, you know, like anyone who plays a game, let's say a a highly successful athlete, well, a highly successful athlete, just like someone who gamifies sales is going to know that, you know, if you're going to play, you're going to lose. If you're going to play, you're going to lose. And that becomes, then that becomes part of the game. And it's not that big a deal. So someone who's playing it as gamified using that language is probably less likely. And I'm not suggesting that you go out and gamify yourself, by the way, if you're listening to this, because that's, you know, some people live that way and others don't. But I think it's really important to notice if you are someone who might tend to over identify with the number as a mark of your worthiness, say, that's a darker uh, shadow of the identity piece. If I'm only as good as my last quarter, and I have a bad quarter, does that mean that I am bad, you know, in air quotes, or worse yet, it's not in air quotes, it's like, no, you know, I failed, I'm a failure. It's like, and that, you know, points to are you are you able to separate those voices out? and listen to them and notice whether they're making sense or not. If you are identifying yourself by your business successes and, and failures, you know, is that, is that a healthy thing? You know? So first off, my gut is most of us do that to some extent as a driven individual, right? You wake up and you set goals, parameters. I call them achievements, whatever you want to call them. Right. And then you work real hard to try to make the changes or the adjustments where you need to and double down where you need to on your effort. And like any kind of achievement or goal, right, it usually takes quite a while and you have to work with some call the the valley of disappointment or I call the suck, which is 
one unit of effort very rarely equals one unit of results. And then you end up in the spot where you right, you do end up with a sense of, am I failing? I don't understand. I'm working really hard. I'm giving this all I got. Why isn't it clicking? And my gut is the more weight you feel in that moment, it's because you've tied your identity to what you're trying to achieve. And it can be tremendously difficult. I mean, in a culture that that starts asking us, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Even in the language of that, it's like, what do you want to be? So it, it's subtle on the one hand. On the, uh, on the other hand, it really does point directly to the be. Oh, okay. I'm being. I'm being a doctor. I'm being a salesperson. I'm being a CEO. It's like I am X Y Z, which is really different than Hey, what are you doing right now? Well, I'm digging a hole in the garden. Oh, you must be a hole digger. It's like no, actually, I'm planting bulbs. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I mean, if you put it that way, it sounds kind of ridiculous. It does. You know, oh, oh, you must be a hole digger. Yeah, well, I garden from now and now and again, but I'm not a hole digger. And it takes a certain level of of sophistication and maturity to be able to pull those things apart and make the distinction between, okay, the person I am happens to be in the profession of sales or the person I am happens to be an XYZ but that I do this every day and that I get paid for this every day, that it has its up and downs is not the whole picture of, of, of who I am. And I think that's one of the reasons. Well, I just want to say one more thing and then I'll flip it back to you, Dan, because I think in my experience, anyway, I know this is true of realtors. It's true of other people in the sales world. You know, salespeople uh, tend to be really, really hungry learners and, and tend to be, this isn't always true. So this is a gross generalization. It's like most gross generalizations. It's not going to be universally true. I just want to say that up front. On, on the one hand, on the other hand, I see a lot of salespeople who are, who are, who are doing their own work, you know, and part of the reason they're doing their own work is because sales is so heavily dependent on relationship. This identity thing is very interesting. So how can someone create a healthier perspective or relationship with their identity? Yeah. I understand my question is complex. And I also understand one size would never fit all. And there's always going to be variations. But are there certain like triggers or benchmarks or standards that someone could at least try to utilize to become a little healthier? Because my gut is right. The healthier we are on separating, I want to make a million dollars. That's my goal. And I'm going to sell, 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 and I'm going to be the best of the best. And I'm going to make a million. That's my goal. Because now I'm tying my identity to the fact, can I make a million? And if I don't make a million, I'm a failure, right? That's, that's an unhealthy path. What can someone do to make that journey a little healthier on themselves? Maybe that's what I'm trying to ask. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. There's, there's two things that come to mind right away. And one of them was in the way you worded the, the question, you know, in the circumstance that you set up. And that is the, the trap of if then thinking, you know, if or when then, you know, when I make a million bucks, you know, or I have my first million dollar quarter or my first whatever, you know, then I'll be happy. 
you know, then I will have arrived. If only I make enough to be driving a Ferrari, you know, ah, then, you know, then, you know, that, 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 that. And there's something about the if, the if then or the when then uh, premise that's a house of cards. Because even in thinking of it that way, there's a sense of, oh, okay, you know, and again, this isn't true for everybody, but it, but it's but it's slippery, and that is, I'm not enough as I am now. You know, I'm not enough, or or it comes back to I have something to prove. You're right; it's a really complex question, and there's there's a lot of different places to point to, and lots of different work to to do when it comes to if then and when then thinking. A useful place to start is always with, you know, everything starts with awareness. Is this one of the things that I'm driven by? You know, because you mentioned that people who are driven here is if then thinking one of the pieces that I'm driven by. Who is it that I'm trying to please? You know, what is it that I'm trying to prove? What do I think I will have at a million dollars or a million in sales or X amount of revenue. What is it that I actually think I will have then that's missing now? And what is it? You know, that's a really important question. Is what is it? You know, what is it? Is, is it some sort of fulfillment with myself? Is it, is it a recognition that I'm, that I'm not giving myself here that's driving it? You know, if it's something outside over there, is it trying to prove something to my father? By the way, my father has been dead for 20 years, you know, still worth looking at. Is it something I want to prove to my, to a high school teacher that I haven't seen in 30 something years? Don't even know if they're around anymore. They're tough questions to ask on the one hand. On the other hand, they're really, really important because you can hear in that it's just, it just comes around and around and around and around. And oftentimes the if-thens are never satisfied. They're never satisfied. So let's go to self-awareness a little bit on this, yeah. right? Yeah. Obviously, the individual who might be saying to themselves, and I've been that person, hey, I want to make a million dollars or I want to do this. That's, you know, and... And all that. And in your head, you think, okay, when I do that, that's that next step. Maybe I've arrived. Maybe I've proven, right? Maybe I'm worthy or whatever, right? There could be a lot of different maybes involved. What's the voice that people can start to maybe try to identify so that they go through that journey maybe a little healthier, a little better balanced, a little more honest with themselves? Right. Because it's all about that voice. Right. The voice is speaking to us. And I agree with you. Self-awareness of identifying it, I think, would be a great starting point. But then what? So you're talking about identifying the actual driving voice, the one who lives in the in the dream world of if then. Yeah, the unhealthy one. Because I, um, I, I feel like there's always an unhealthy drive voice, but I also feel like there's a very healthy drive voice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And it's important to distinguish the two. One way to identify it, I mean, this is going to sound so elemental, so elementary, is to let yourself really listen to it. Be curious about it. <laughs> if you're willing, interview it. And I was like, what do you want? What is it that you have to prove or that you feel like you need to prove if it's actually a proving thing? So, so is that, 
I've heard of this. I've done this before in other areas of my life where um, if I'm going to decide on something like doing something different and the little voice inside my head says, hey, uh, be careful. You've never done that before. Are you sure that's going to work? I've used a little bit of that interview strategy to be able to say, well, hold on. What are my options here? What happens if I don't? What's the value of not? So what you're saying is that same strategy can be used in what we're talking about here as well when it comes to how we tell ourselves that we'll be better, things will be better, we'll be happier, things like that, when and if we get to whatever X is. So yeah, the, in the interview process, we could use that language. And I know for, for some people, it's like, so wait a second, you want me to talk to myself? Hey, here's the bad news. You're talking to yourself already. <laughs> You're talking to yourself already. It's just, it's just not, it's just unconscious. So and some, so, some, some have a multitude of conversations going on at once. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. Again, it comes back. We're complex. We're complex human beings. That doesn't mean you're nuts or you have multiple personalities. It means you're human. You know, they have these different voices and oftentimes they are developmental. I mentioned before the child, the adolescent, you know, the young adult for whom the, the entire world is their oyster. But coming back to it, yeah, interview it, find out, you know, who who is it? Who is it trying to please? How long has it been there? How old is it? You know, when I say how old is it, there's two pieces. How long has it been around? And when did it first start? You know, when did it first appear like when was it when when was its debut <laughs> and often in doing this we find out it's like oh wow you know i'm actually being my <laughs> my career is being driven by a 14 year old now i don't know about you but as a 60 something year old man you know the idea that a 14 year old is driving my career is a little unsettling <laughs> and super common super common that was Ken Mosman, executive coach and founder of Cirrus Leadership Coaching. My discussion with Ken on removing your sense of identity from your professional life provides insight into how we can build a healthier relationship with ourselves. Ken's expertise around identity and personal fulfillment is backed up by years of experience working with and coaching his clients. Our discussion will be continued and concluded in an upcoming second interview. Stay tuned for more thoughts on identity and purpose. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.